Hello, everyone. Welcome to Hardcore Football. Uh, I'm your host, Phil Baki. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Mika Burrell. Mika, how's uh, how's your new year been? How's your 2021 been? <laughs> <laughs> well, first off, Happy New Year. We're, we've made it out of the hellhole of 2020. And 2021 is starting off just as lit like yeah. <laughs> in all like the worst ways <laughs> quite literally in some cases uh, yeah yeah like lit on fire yeah yeah um no personally though it's been okay um just you know still kind of in denial that i have to like work like every day of a work week now and not have these like intermittent holiday breaks so that's yeah it's depressing but we'll get over it how are you phil <laughs> i've been okay i've been i've been pretty good trying to uh yeah just trying to you know stay calm and just kind of you know work's <laughs> been been kind of busy so just trying to stay ahead you know stay ahead of things and not get too too crazy but i've also been enjoying the start to this year like with a uh, little uh resolution to write more um so i've started yes. off like pretty strong in that aspect so I'm, i've been happy with those um that's awesome yeah yeah if anyone's yeah, tell, interested tell in tell the listeners about your new pieces because they were both very good i appreciate that yeah if if anyone's interested in in some of the the written works uh that i've been working on i i got struck by the creative bug a little bit um after the new year and i wrote a piece on uh, Saeed Ben Rama and his, how he's kind of fitting in or or not at West Ham, his his like tactical utilization as well, and then uh, and then Eberechi as a uh, Crystal Palace, you know, scored that wonder goal, um, but this past weekend, unbelievable. And so I kind of dove into his his coming you know coming up and and how he's kind of developed as a player um so yeah you can find those on my twitter um at phil talks footy and uh i have like a little it's a medium blog or whatever so you can just find yeah find it there it's the same name so yeah it should yeah, be pretty we'll, and we'll find. always share them too through hardcore football so for sure yeah and you guys can find can find all the all the hardcore football stuff at hxc football and on all our podcast platforms if you're more used to the uh the you know the audio format um you can subscribe right. there but um mika i do want to i i don't we didn't really talk about it but that as a goal like we don't really have a format or a or a plan for it today but that as a goal like that that is one of those that i feel like we'll talk about years from now and be like hey do you remember that do you remember yeah. that goal against Sheffield yeah. United and just how silky it was like I mean it was almost too smooth when you see a goal as good as that and you know from the player's body language that it's 100% intentional I think that just like elevates it to a higher plane of like yeah. elite goal scoring you know what I mean because he yeah. had his head up the whole time and just like ghosting past people like they weren't even there and then just slots it and he, he you know picks that spot and yeah it's just a fantastic yeah fantastic goal and it's nice to see him you know kicking on in the premier league because um obviously you know when you when teams like crystal palace and villa and all those kind of teams invest in championship talent or or west ham like with with mm-hmm. Benarama, like the the results can be mixed but as a is flourishing so yeah it's good stuff yeah, and uh, you do love to to see it. It's interesting, and and you can get the full 
the full details, I guess, in in that article. But um, but yeah, as a nearly ended his career nearly ended by by Millwall of all clubs. So thank God. <laughs> thank God for QPR taking a taking a chance on on him. And, and now he's obviously kicking on to, to new heights that uh, I yeah, Millwall just tries to ruin everything. Um, <laughs> I will just shout out to you. If we're going to shout out as a way to shout out Nadim Amiri too. Oh my through the legs God. shot in tour. Oh my God. Unbelievable for so many reasons, but the, the initial touch is one of those where you're just you're like, how's he even done that? And then yeah. the finish is similar where by the time you've wrapped your head around how he controlled the initial pass in the ball is, has been back heel, uh, nutmeg past the keeper. Just yeah. like, and it, it doesn't even seem possible when the when the goal crossed the goal line. I was still trying to figure out why he seemed to be like going away from goal. Yeah, <laughs> it was already in the net. So yeah, just a lot of uh, a lot of cheeky finishes yeah. in the new year, which I guess is a good good way to start. Start as you mean to go on, I suppose. Yeah, always always great <laughs> when you have your goal of the year contenders like two days into the new year. <laughs> <laughs> Truly, uh, yeah. Um, well, I guess, I mean, we've got a ton to talk about today. We will get to the premier league and we will get to the Bundesliga eventually, uh, Syria, a big chunk of, of games and some really interesting results. Um, league Un, some, some drama with, with Pochettino already at, at PSG. Mm. Um, and we'll talk about our sounds of the season playlist editions. But first we head to South America Copa Libertadores uh, is into its semifinals now and the 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 talk all around it especially in you know with in recent times with the death of, of Diego Maradona the um the the talk and the whispers of a super classico uh Libertadores final just as a couple of years ago had started to creep in um and in the first leg, uh, River Plate and Boca on separate sides of the of the bracket, obviously, and two Brazilian teams for them to get past River Plate up against Palmeiras. And in the first leg, Palmeiras run away three nil winners, leaving mm-hmm. River Plate all to do in the second in the second leg. Yeah, I mean, I, it almost looked like River Plate were looking past this this semifinal to a Super Clasico final, and. Uh, they paid dearly for it. Palmeiras were the better side pretty much all night long. River Plate's disciplinary issues bite them again. They get another red card. Uh, the tactics, I just, you know, Marcelo Gachado is an amazing coach. And, and I think, you know, probably this is the end of the road for him at River Plate. But the tactics on the night, I, I don't know if it, I, I, I kind of tweeted about this on hardcore football. I don't know if it was a tactics or just individual poor performances all at the same time, but like there was just no, like the midfielders cannot make five yard passes between each other yeah. or connect really with the front line. And, and it was just, you know, they would make these really poor passes and get picked off and Palmeiras would just capitalize um, ruthlessly. Yeah. Uh, and uh, Luis Adriano's goal was like, gave me so much secondhand embarrassment watching him turn the defender. Like he wasn't <laughs> even there and just threw on goal. 
it was ridiculous. But um, yeah, full credit to Palmeiras. I think that the tie is over <laughs> if if I were a betting uh, woman, but uh, I'm not. So we'll see. <laughs> yeah. Well, as long as you don't get a, a text off Kieran Trippier, you should be fine. Um, <laughs> so I, uh, <laughs> I think uh, I want to shout out Luis Adriano for that goal because he um, he turns turns his man so well and. The this is the Luis Adriano Shakhtar Donetsk legend Luis Adriano, yes. um, who I had to look it up because I I was like I know he spent quite a bit of time at Shakhtar, two hundred and sixty five appearances for Shakhtar and one hundred and thirty goals, yeah. like he is literally a legend. <laughs> Shakhtar. Truly, um, truly. But back in his native Brazil, and I, I really loved watching the 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 Spanish commentary of of this one. I'm sure not as lit as the Portuguese, you know, back in Brazil. <laughs> um, but it was I found it interesting that the Spanish commentator uh, immediately was like the the man from Porto Alegre, like he immediately went to, you know, his birth, his birthplace, um, you know, <laughs> yeah. now turning out for a South pa- a famous Sao Paulo club. But, uh, but yeah, his, his carrying the, uh, the, the heritage of Porto Alegre, um, toward likely toward a, a Libertadores final. Absolutely. I mean, all for, for me, all the best players come from Rio Grande do Sul. So, um, <laughs> the, you know, Luis Adriano, a certain Allison, a uh, certain Ronaldinho. So mm-hmm. yeah, um, it, it'll be, it'll be interesting. The second leg. I mean, I, I, I think it's done, but um, you never know. Yeah. Um, the, the other semifinal far from over um, as, as Boca and Santos played a much more kind of typical first leg for mm-hmm. a, a semifinal where it was pretty cagey, both kind of like feeling each other out and it ends nil nil. Yeah. Yeah. It ends nil nil. And um, I mean, it seemed from the statistics, like it was, you know, more or less, like you said, cagey kind of, kind of even, I didn't get to watch this one. Unfortunately, it kicked off at like 3 PM my time and I was still at yeah. the office. So <laughs> um, hopefully I can catch a second leg, but I mean, personally, I would like to see Boca juniors go through. I, I prefer, I prefer a cup competition, you know, continental cup competitions to have different uh, teams from different countries. I just prefer it that way. I think playing a domestic rival is, is a little boring. So I would like to see a Palmeiras Boca juniors final if river plate cannot, you know, pull off an insane remontada or something. So, <laughs> so yeah, I, uh, the last thing I'll say on the Libertadores and, and I've, I meant to mention this when we were speaking about Palmeiras, uh, like specifically, but they, uh, (laughs) they earlier this year, well, in December of 2019, they rehired Vanderlei Luxemburgo, um, Mm. his fifth spell as manager of Palmeiras. (laughs) My God. Um, he's been around quite a bit. Um, but he, they won the uh, you know the state title the the Paulista the Campeonato Paulista, um, which is obviously a very big accomplishment um, when you're playing all with all of the big clubs from Sao Paulo, like the state of Sao Paulo. But the <laughs> they their league form when the when Serie A you know mm-hmm. eventually kicked off. They their league form was pretty poor, and he was actually sacked despite the fact that they were top of their group in 
in uh, the Libertadores. So they've changed managers mid midstream here and are likely going to a final. Not something that you often see, um, but we have seen actually kind of recently <laughs> in another Champions League. I mean... Hansi Flick, man, he started something. <laughs> Byron started something, I guess. Um, yeah, that is that is crazy to to be sacked for league form and then you see where where they are now. Um, but hey, I guess Palmeiras doesn't know what they're doing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, the second legs are are coming up um, next week, I think, um, mm-hmm. for uh, for the Libertadores and uh, yeah, one semifinal certainly looks like it's, it's all but decided um, while Boca Boca and Santos second leg should be quite the match. Although, yeah, I mean, river could have, could have one of the great, one of the great comebacks potentially. I mean, if, you know, if anyone can do it, maybe Marcel Gacha, given how much experience he has in this competition and having won it. So we'll see. Carrascal's uh, sending off will will set River back quite a bit, um, and and so boneheaded in in terms of it just it it really was one of those like frustration reds yeah. where yeah. it's just a selfish decision on his part to take his frustration out on on the Palmeiras midfielder. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah, it was it was so stupid, and and that's off the back of I think. Uh, Campuzano's red card in the Super Classico in the league, losing guys left and right due to their own uh, frustration, not doing well with their own uh, their own discipline. So um, it's a it's a tough task for them to come back against Palmeiras, but stranger things have happened. Yeah, truly. <laughs> I guess we'll see how they how they handle it. Um, the uh, yeah, it'll be very interesting. Um, to see how these semifinals play out, um, and and certainly the final will be will be hopefully a great occasion. Although the not having fans in the in the Libertadores just feels like it, you know, it it it's just missing that that special something. Absolutely, yeah. The um, I think we head next to, and I'm I've kind of you know we talked Libertadores up front because I. And put it, I was putting this off, um, but we do need to talk about the Premier League. <laughs> we do, we do. And Mika, you put this outline together, and you specifically, I think, are kind of. I'm not saying that you're taking that you're taking joy in this, but maybe a little <laughs> bit of enjoyment with Arsenal on a decent run, and my Liverpool is suffering a little bit. You kind of put me on the spot here. <laughs> I suppose, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, I put it at the top because I didn't get to watch this game. And I know you probably have a lot of thoughts given that, you know, this is three straight games now that Liverpool have uh, dropped points. So what happened? Yeah. Um, yeah, Liverpool lose to Southampton. Um, and uh, it was, let's see, I'll start with the positives for Southampton first, uh, Ralph Hasenhutl like, um, set his team up extremely well. Um, and saints are, saints are a solid team. Um, he's had them performing well, you know, for a while now, they're definitely not the, the, the easy kind of, um, target that they have been over the last, uh, last couple of seasons. 
And I gotta, I gotta, uh, give credit as well to, to Danny Ings. Um, you know, it didn't work out at Liverpool. And I think there was a lot of like overreaction in terms of like Liverpool fans in a lot of cases are like, Oh, we should have held on to him and stuff like that. But I mean, he spent seasons sidelined with knee injuries and, and it just, I mean, it got to a point where, you know, it, it just wasn't, it wasn't going to happen for him at Liverpool. I'm glad it's happening for him now at Southampton and he's turned into kind of the, the player that, um, that he had been, you know, at Burnley and, and it, has brought his game up a little bit. Lovely finish from Danny as well. Um, like not easy. I think there's a lot of uh, criticism rightly in the defending of that particular set piece. Um, but it is not an easy finish uh, to loop it over Allison into that, into that far corner uh, first time. So just cre- you know, credit to saints credit to Danny Ings. Um, and and Ralph Hassenhuhl, obviously, it meant a lot to him. It's the first time in his career that he's taken points off of Jurgen Klopp. Um, so yeah, yeah, I think it it meant a lot to them. Obviously, for Liverpool, there's there's a few different facets. I think I think the the concern recently has been for Trent Alexander Arnold's performances, and particularly particularly in defending the set piece, um, he just doesn't cut the ball out like he should cut he should be cutting that pass out and he kind of lets it take an awkward bounce and then all of a sudden it's past him and now he's kind of in it's at a weird height where he might handball and so now he's like kind of lets it go by and you know the the goals let in and he wasn't particularly good like uh in, in the attacking phase um as he as he normally is so just maybe something a little off he's actually substituted by Klopp for Milner which is a pretty drastic move, I think, and pretty indicative of the fact that Klopp just was not seeing like what he expected out of Trent. Um, so that's a little troubling. But at the front end, obviously, you know, seventeen shots, only one on target. That's a big issue. And I think right now we're we're kind of seeing some of the edge and like really what and it's crazy to say this with you know the the likes of Sadio Mane and, and Mo Salah and Bobby Firmino up top um but Diogo Jota was adding a different element and a little bit of unpredictability about the way that that Liverpool play some of the runs that he made it's you know he obviously a different player he's a different player from um any of those three up top and just adds a little bit of of that dynamic um, element to the front three in the way that they move. Because I think um, now with the amount of evidence that there is out there, there's a lot of there's just a lot of ways to prepare for you know uh, for how Liverpool attack. And if there isn't some sort of like unpredictability about it, then they're going to struggle, um, especially against a team that takes an early lead and loves to play on the counter. Um, I mean, even for, for periods of that second half, like all 11 Southampton players were like inside or within like 30 yards of their own goal. So, I mean, yeah. it was, it you know, it, it was at times and especially coming out of the gates in the second half, like Southampton did need to defend like with their lives for periods of this game. So it's not, 
it's not completely like, oh, you know, Liverpool didn't have, have any chances or anything like that. But they do look a little blunted recently, which is is just a little troubling, um, especially given the fact that other teams are picking up points behind them. And if they want to defend the title, they have to they have to be sharper. Yeah, you, I mean, sharper, that's that's the key word. And I think that, you know, to this will sound perhaps like an oversimplification, but I truly believe this. I just think that the league is not very good right now. Yeah. And I don't think that it will get any better. I think that this is just, this is probably as close to the level the Premier League was when Leicester won the title. And I mean, no disrespect to Leicester in saying that, but I just think everyone's pretty poor right now. Um, and uh so Liverpool just aren't, they're not immune to that, you know? Right. So yeah, it's a, Big result for Southampton, but um, I think Liverpool probably just have to put it behind them. But yeah, Schulte is a is a big miss for sure. Yeah. Um, I I will just say I don't know what Liverpool fans think about this, but I think the Jordan Henderson at center back thing just like stop. Yeah, he's too important to the midfield. Um, I would continue to play the lad from Kidder Mister Harriers. <laughs> yeah, over Henderson in midfield. I apologize for not knowing his name off the top of my head, but uh, <laughs> Reese Williams, the, the Van Dyke uh, region. Yeah, Reese Williams. Yeah, I I'd actually agree with that, and I think um, I think we definitely have seen even even Fabinho not being available in midfield has has provided a little bit of a a change of you know how how things are done obviously we're not like lacking um quality in midfield you know with Thiago and and Vinaldo um mm. but i was a little disappointed in this particular game with Alex Oxlade Chamberlain cuz i was excited to see him start to add some of that um, that creativity and, and those, those runs from midfield, um, and carrying the ball a little bit higher up the field. And he just wasn't, he didn't really get that involved. Like he did, he wasn't able to assert himself, um, the way that, the way that I think, and I think unfortunately for Liverpool, the player that they probably most need, um, in terms of doing that is Nabi Keita, but he is injured once again and is rarely available um, as some of their best performances come with him playing in that furthest advanced uh, um, central midfield spot. But he's available so little of the time that no one really gets to see that on a consistent basis. So, um, so yeah, it's, it's a, it's, it's a little bit of a struggle for, for the, uh, the champions right now. And, um, yeah, it you know not not necessarily uh, getting the you know the bounces their way over the course of the last few few matches either. So um, haven't been able to grind out results when they haven't really been at the races, and uh, now they're they're left needing you know a, a good run of results and a big game against Manchester United coming up on the seventeenth as well. So yeah, we're contending. <laughs> which is nuts, but yeah. 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 yeah, Potential, potential contenders. And yeah, it's, it's gotten tight at the top. um, Making me, making me sweat a little bit. Um, (laughs) And uh, now other teams uh, concerned about the title race, um, Manchester city, and now a, a much more distant Chelsea, um, 
came into this game, it looked like a pretty big matchup. Chelsea on a little bit of a dip and maybe with a chance to bounce back. City haven't been at their like scintillating best for most of the season, but they came out of the blocks in this one and looked every bit of the team that, you know, got 198 points and two two titles over over two seasons, you know, not Mm -hmm. that long ago. Yeah, City were incredible um i mean completely just blew chelsea away from much of the game and they played without a recognized striker um (laughs) they had kevin de bruyne and and sterling kind of floating as false nines i guess you could say and and it worked a treat i think um yeah i mean you you don't miss aguero and and jesus in this kind of performance i mean city were just absolutely dominant and um i thought it played gundawan had a really good game mm-hmm. john stones is like back from the dead yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i mean really we thought i thought his career might actually be finished at city and right now he's benching imeric laporte yeah uh and, and performing a very good partnership with ruben diaz and and city are probably the best defense of the premier league right now on, on current form and maybe even stats wise although i haven't checked into that but yeah, yeah they city have, were incredible they have actually allowed the least goals in the league 13 in 15 wow. in 15 matches so um yeah. they have a couple of games less played than most teams but um but right. still yeah 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 i mean they and, and you know chelsea Chelsea made it easy for them. I mean, there was the the tactics or lack thereof on 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 the part of Frank Lampard's men was really weird. I mean, the pressing made no sense. There'd be like three, four players closing down one midfielder and just you know leaving all, all kinds of space for for City to exploit. And uh, yeah, I, I, Chelsea, man, they've things change so quickly <laughs> in, in the Premier League and in football in general. I mean, this is a team that had a, I think it was like a 17 game unbeaten run. And now they are, you know, in the mud. <laughs> so, and people yeah. are, are talking about Lampard getting sacked. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I think we all know, you know, Chelsea is uh, often pretty quick on the, on the trigger finger of, of, of sacking coaches. But I, the thing that blew me away about his team selection um and the way that Lampard set this team up is he has often you know I think he had started to identify Mason Mount as this attacking midfielder playing as part of a trio but the way that he utilizes like Conte and, and Kovacic it's not they're not grafting like nearly enough to allow for Mount to do what he does. Like he's like a luxury midfielder when you have two guys who are going to just like run their, their socks off. And Conte obviously does covers tons of ground, but Kovacic is not to me, doesn't have like a whole lot of, um, of that ability to like really grab hold of the game in, in midfield. And, Conte, to me, you know, I think he was known as one of the best defensive midfielders like available when he was at Leicester. But since then, he's been played so in so many midfield roles at Chelsea that I don't even know who he is as a player anymore. Um, Yeah. Like he just kind of pops up all over the place. 
and I don't know if he's supposed to be box to box or what the deal is, but he certainly doesn't have as like a clearly defined role as he used to. So Chelsea's midfield is just like a mess in like in this match in particular. And they're just consistently bypassed throughout the game. Um, And then, you know, when you have that front three of Ziyech, Werner and, and uh, Pulisic, it's just that, combining those two pieces it's like it just was completely in fluid like didn't really didn't Mm -hmm. really ever like cohere into anything into anything or you know become anything cohesive and and it just showed that you know city had a total stranglehold on the game essentially for the entire time and uh and every time they went forward, they looked dangerous, uh, despite the fact that they were playing a system that was that seemed like pretty foreign as well. But Pep, like summoning his best, uh, his best, you know, Messi as a false nine days uh, from, <laughs> from the latter Barca years. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I can't possibly agree more with you on the midfield um, incoherence of, of Frank Lampard's side. I don't. I, I don't know. And and you can really tell that N'Golo Conte is suffering because this is another game. He had a stinker. He was terrible against Arsenal. He's terrible against Arsenal a lot, actually. But um, <laughs> just a lot of these big games, um, he gets exposed because, like yeah. you said, he's got two, like, attack-minded eights um, in front of him. And then, um, you know, in this one, too, I think Reese James was missing. And I think that was very obvious. Seeing Aspilicueta get burned over and over is just like... Yeah embarrassing um <laughs> and and actually i think pulisic has probably been chelsea's best player like through this pretty bad uh spell um yeah. trying to make things happen on his own and um the fact that that even is happening i think uh raises questions um you know for me you know on, on the topic of frank lampard and his job security i suppose i think I think he did a very good job last season. I think it was the perfect job for a player like, or a manager like him who has goodwill in the bank, like pre pre installed, if you will, right. having been a Chelsea legend. And then, you know, the, the fans are willing to cut some slack because he's forced to play young players and he betted young players quite well, I think given Chelsea's transfer ban. But now that he's got 222 million pounds of, of players through the door, it's, his lack of know-how to, to put a team together with all these pieces is, is showing. And, and I don't only blame him because I think a lot, you know, I think Phil, you and I talked about who won the transfer window. I didn't pick Chelsea. I picked Aston Villa because Villa bought pieces that made sense, that made tactical sense, that Mm -hmm. improved the first 11 in a way that you could understand. Chelsea kind of just went like FIFA with it and bought everyone that looked really good and i don't think there was ever a plan i mean if you buy kai havertz you have to build around him he's a 10 yeah you have to build around him he's not even in the side no why did you buy him timo Werner. he's always played with you know like uh, you know in a counter-attacking system with space in behind that's not going to happen in the premier league yeah um so it's yeah um again i think it's changed very quickly chelsea were doing all right now they're doing quite badly and and I think it's I think it's right to question Lampard, I think, given how much resources have been spent. 
Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think so too. And I think he'll, he'll rightly come under criticism for, for the way that he set his team up. And I thought it was really, um, I, I, I did think it was interesting just listening to his post-match comments because it seemed like some of the criticism that he got in the aftermath of, um, their loss, uh, the last time out where he blamed, he kind of threw the players under the bus, like almost yeah. immediately he seemed to like kind of be wary of that and know that, okay, like I've got to, I've got to say we now. And he actually like corrected himself a couple of times, like since the, after the Arsenal match, he had, he had kind of thrown everybody under the bus. So he, um, I just, I don't know. I, I just think he, uh, he just strikes me as being like out of his depth. Um, and to go into a match against city, um, and set up in, in a way that is so like open and, and for it just, it didn't make any sense to me. I, I really don't understand. Um, and yeah, I think rightly he'll be, he'll be criticized. Although I, I do want to shout out the one thing on the one negative on the city side that I saw. And I don't know if you felt this way, I think Rodri is not good enough for the city team. Like, I really do think he looked like he was committed to keeping this game interesting, like throughout just like weird fouls and like little, <laughs> little moments where it's just like, Ugh, like he's, he doesn't look comfortable and I've never really seen him settle in. That's fair. I think, I think Rodri has the potential to be good enough, but I think he's, I think people think he's something he's not, which is Fernandinho. He's not Fernandinho. He's not right. that, you know, in that exact mold. He's not going to just like anchor your midfield and and you'll be totally comfortable. He's not, he doesn't, you know, he doesn't have that experience yet. I mean, he only was schooled at, you know, the Diego Simeone school of defense for a year. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, <laughs> you know, and then quickly moved on. So I think he has a potential to be a very good player, but yeah, um, it's been kind of a mixed bag for him at City thus far the now it's your now it's your turn it it's your, oh. your shining moment <laughs> Ars- arsenal three west brom nil it was a snow game like it was kieran tierney felt right at home in the scottish highlands with all that <laughs> snow um True. and uh and arsenal three nil winners um over over big sam's uh <laughs> baggies yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I put this game like towards the bottom of our Premier League talk because it was a mid-table. Well, no, we're a mid-table side. West Brom is a relegation yeah. side. So, <laughs> um, yeah, I think, I think, uh, you know, last week you and I spoke about Arsenal, and I was hesitant to say we've turned a corner. I think this was the most convincing performance of our little run of uh results here um just because we actually took a team to the sword. Like I cannot remember the last time we did that. Maybe, maybe the North London Derby, uh, Unai Emery's first Derby, maybe, and that was you know two years ago. Um, it's been quite a while since we really took a team apart like this, and uh, you know it is West Brom. Like I understand these are not the you know this is not a, a Liverpool or Chelsea, someone like that. But you can only beat the team in front of you, and I yeah. thought that there was so much about this game. Like each goal was unique. I mean Tierney's goal, just the knocking it around. His man, Najai, totally mm. in the mud or in the snow, I guess, for this one. <laughs> and uh, then just rifling it on his weak foot. It was 
spectacular. I mean, just amazing. Oh, beautiful goal. Um, and then Saka's goal, the team goal, the mm-hmm. the Arsenal, the, like we walked it in. Venger- When's the last time we walked it in? The Venga bus. The Venga, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so you know, and then Lock adds, and you know, Lacazette adds a goal. So yeah, it was it was really good from Arsenal. I was really really happy about it. Truly, yeah. Um, you know, on the West Brom side, I think this may be a job too far gone, even for big Sam Allardyce. Mm-hmm. Um, I just don't. I don't see a way back for them realistically. Them and Sheffield United, I think, are are doomed. <laughs> West Brom, and I, I have to shout out uh, Pat Staley um, on this on this one. But like, he he screenshotted West Brom's recent results and just said like the Premier League makes no sense because West Brom's last, um, basically like their last uh, eight games. So since they beat Sheffield United, their which was their last win mm. um on November 28th, they beat Sheffield United 1-0, then they lost to Crystal Palace 5-1, then they lost to Newcastle 2-1, then they drew City 1-1, then they lost to Aston Villa 3-0 and Big Sam was hired. They draw Liverpool 1-1 in Big Sam's first game and then lose to Leeds 5-0 and Arsenal 4-0 in those. So the two <laughs> results that they've gotten since they beat Sheffield United are against Manchester City and Liverpool. <laughs> so yeah, that, it's truly, just truly I don't yeah. know what to make of that. <laughs> this team, this team, I guess, I guess if they feel like turning up, they can they can conjure a result every once in a while um and then they take a couple of hammerings before they before they can recharge their batteries but no this must be this arsenal performance too i i think the player that i that most stood out to me as a neutral watching this game i mean tyranny aside i think tyranny is has been you know one of if not arsenal's best player throughout this whole this whole season um but but emile smith rowe he's he looks a player like he he looks like he could hang at this level yeah the uh the Hayland Grealish, if you will with yeah. the low socks and all <laughs> um yeah i mean he's a player that arsenal fans have been high on for some time now and um you know he's str- he struggled with injuries um i think that's probably why we haven't seen him um until now uh, and then he went out on loan to huddersfield and was you know adored by Huddersfield fans for, for this kind of thing, being creative, taking, um, you know, taking the ball forward and and being assertive. And I just, I love this player. Now I don't think that we should, you know, rest everything on him for the season. I think, you know, (laughs) now that it's January, we still should be looking for some kind of creative midfielder to share the minutes with him. But I hope that he has staked a claim in this side, um, you know, on the, on the strength of these past performances, because he's been excellent. The um, we spoke a little bit ago. Uh, yeah, I mean Arsenal, it, a good win, and now three in a, three wins in a row for yes. for the Gooners. Um, Weird so, to say, but yes, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So a, a, a good string of results, um, and and maybe maybe Arteta will keep will keep Arsenal up this season. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Um, uh, no, the we spoke about we spoke about United 
Um, we spoke about them potentially potentially challenging at the t- at the top of the table, and I mean they now sit level on points with Liverpool with a game in hand. Um, so United they ground out. I think it's fair to say they ground out another win at Aston Villa. Maybe a little bit of of good fortune in terms of the the penalty award. Um, but we did say, we kind of set out the marker for United that, Hey, a win over Villa is, is a good result. And I mean, a win is a win at the end of the day. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, full credit to them. And I, this was a good match, a good match of football, especially if you watched Everton West Ham before that. I mean, good God. (laughs) It's the least you deserve. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. I mean, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer has shown, I think, that he's not this big tactical brain, but that's okay. I think that he can simplify teams and has simplified this Manchester United side in such a way that they can get these results. You know, I guess up until this point, rather quietly, I don't think anyone is actually thinking they might challenge. But um, now, you know, like you say, they're, they're level with Liverpool, not joint top. Please stop saying that. Yeah. That's not a thing. <laughs> but level. There so were, there were some good uh there were some good memes that came out of uh and well <laughs> and we, I guess we can we can talk about the the league cup but some decent memes uh that said Man United were joint semifinalists. Uh, oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> or yeah, yeah, joint semifinalists. So anyways, um yeah. but no, at United it, it is a good result against Villa. Obviously, League Cup disappointment though, man, in the Manchester Derby City kind of brushed him aside today and yeah. Oli was kind of critical uh in terms of like was not happy with the goals they conceded, couple of set pieces like set United back. And mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, it's not really going to be good enough against against City if if you're conceding from set pieces. Yeah, which is strange because they've got, you know, Harry Maguire and big lumps like that who should be dealing yeah. with those kind <laughs> of, uh, you know, aerial threats. But yeah, like you said, City pretty much swept them aside and it'll be Spurs Manchester City in a cup final. Yeah, which is like horrific <laughs> uh, yeah i mean who well i mean i i think i ugh, i don't even know really who to who to pull for in a matchup like that i mean i i hate city more so i would say maybe spurs but then there's a whole there's a whole fan base issue and trophy like ties and stuff like that that just start to start to get a little it's like, Just do think we of want how Spurs? insufferable they'd be. Do we want Mourinho to win a trophy? Like, well, see, this is the thing. Mourinho's won a trophy everywhere he's been. No, so this is. Uh, yeah, never mind. You know what? Pep can have his like fifth league cup in a row. Who cares? <laughs> yeah, either way, it'll be an interesting one. Um, yeah, and it's always weird because Carabao Cup final like happens so early in the like calendar, but uh, yeah. Interesting stuff. Yeah. So quick, uh, quick roundup of, of the table uh, in the Premier League. Liverpool, United, um, both on 33. Liverpool top on goal difference, but United with that game in hand. Leicester in third on 32. Tottenham in fourth. City fifth. Um, their level on points on 29. Southampton and then Everton. Um, Aston Villa and Chelsea level on 26 with Villa head on goal difference, actually. So 
Chelsea just they're at level on points with West Ham still um, having played the same amount of games and Villa actually have two games in hand. Um, so there's a good chance that Damn. that Villa could actually put some distance between themselves and the Blues. Um, so, yeah, Chelsea now just three points above Arsenal who were in the biggest crisis of the club's history three <laughs> games ago. And now Chelsea are, are down at that level. Um, uh, and yeah, similar questions being asked of Lampard, uh, as we said, and then the drop zone, uh, Brighton out of it for now and Fulham West Brom and Sheffield United in those spots, but Fulham do have two games in hand over Brighton. So um Burnley down in that conversation as well about potentially that third team down but um we got plenty more of European soccer to talk about but um I think we'll take a quick break and be right back with that sounds good Welcome back. Uh, I think we'll talk some Serie A first, uh, Mika. The the big matchup today, AC Milan against Juve. AC Milan, you know, top of the table and and flying recently. Juve underperforming by their standards, and yet the old lady finds a way to get one over AC Milan and comes out three one winners in the San Siro. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> this was an opportunity for AC Milan. I think not, not in terms of the table, cause they still stay top for now, but just mentally and, and, you know, narrative wise to show the world, like they are seriously back and they just kind of crumple to Juventus here through one, as you said, um, Chiesa, Federico Chiesa, uh, you know, came from Fiorentina and has been excellent. Gets a brace here in this one. Um, he, probably could have had a hat trick actually because he hit the post yeah pretty hard pretty early <laughs> and there was nothing Gigi Donnarumma was doing about that one but just gets lucky um and then uh another player who hasn't been doing as well and has been under some pressure and some criticism is Paulo Dybala but he had that insane back heel assist for Chiesa's first so that good. was just you know reminded you of why he's called La Hoya <laughs> um so yeah i i love to see Dabala doing well um it's been it's been tough for him yeah um so so yeah and yeah. then yeah. you know who else weston mckinney another important goal and uh seems to have like a legit like link up with ronaldo which yeah. i was not expecting so <laughs> juve just full value today yeah, yeah, it was a uh it was an interesting one too because because AC Milan do pull it back to 1-1. Um, yeah. So, uh they kind of had to overcome, you know, Juve had to overcome that that comeback and actually like withstood a fair amount of pressure throughout the game. Um Yeah. AC Milan, you know, actually creating the more chances uh on yeah. on paper. Um but Chiesa was just lethal with the finishing um and uh like you said he could have had three he was a little bit unlucky to not to not bag a hat trick um on the night so a player who i was you know one of my like transfer concerns because i I was worried they were just gonna bury him in 
in with Dybala <laughs> and indeed he links up with with uh with Dybala for that first goal so um yeah, yeah good the to second see him one too I think not nearly as like insane oh, yeah. but I think it was both both times they yeah. have a little little chemistry going so yeah and I think uh I think it was Kulisevsky who assisted uh McKenney's goal um yeah yeah so that um just a a good night for Juve um and and obviously AC Milan um not uh didn't take advantage of the other big result from their crosstown rivals Inter um actually losing to Sampdoria yeah this is a bad result for 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 Inter Sampdoria are haven't been excellent or anything by this by any stretch of the imagination this season and I think it's very interesting that the the man of the match in this one is Antonio Candreva who is on loan from Inter and uh and Keita Balde also scores in this one and he spent some time at Inter on loan Mm -hmm. from Monaco I think so um just one to forget for for Interisti um yeah yeah I, I mean Good on Samp, obviously. Alexis missed a penalty, and then Ashley Young hit the crossbar. So, you know, the former United boys in the mud, too. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that's for both Milan sides, not very good. I uh, I do want to say, like, I, w- I think we should normalize lone players being available against their parent clubs. Um, absolutely England it's like a known thing that they will write it into the loan that they can't play against their parent club I just think take that out if they're on loan they can be used in any competitive match that they would normally be eligible for like normalize this sort of thing because Kondreva (laughs) scoring against his parent club is just like I don't know that's just amazing for me it's a vibe yeah. Philippe Coutinho winning the Champions League helping to eliminate Barca like Yeah. <laughs> just love I love all that. Yeah. yeah. I uh, normalize it for sure. Here for the drama. <laughs> um yeah, and I think Ashley Young actually hits the bar twice. Uh like he hit one from open play and then and then from the rebound of Alexis's uh uh missed penalty. So yeah. Um a, a really weird one. But definitely not the most like shocking result in terms mm-hmm. of the table, uh, where Spezia downs Napoli two one, um, and Spezia's had trouble getting points off of anyone recently. Um, but Napoli struggling lately. Yeah, yeah, struggling a lot lately. I don't think that there's any any sense that they're in this title race. I think they're just trying to hopefully make Europe again. Um, it was a bad game in terms of the conditions it was very wet the pitch was pretty waterlogged um you know both southern clubs probably not used to that um and betsy they came back really because napoli took the lead then they came back they also got a man sent off so this is just really an an excellent result for betsy all around yeah um one thing i noticed about this game was that lorenzo and senior he had a lot of chances and they just were not going in for him. So yeah. um, on another day, I think Napoli win this one, but uh, yeah, his, his finishing left a lot to be desired. I think Lozano had a, another good day out, but just not enough um, for Napoli in this one. And, you know, only one win in their last five. That's pretty bad. Yeah. Um, 
and and it was that last chance um, that that Spezia ends up scoring off of, and it's uh, Pobega, um, which is store store brand Paul Pogba. Um, he he uh, <laughs> he comes in like and and picks up the scraps off of a <laughs> off of a uh, a finish from I believe it's Giassi. Um, who came off the bench as well for for Spezia. But the initial goal, like if the initial shot had gone in, it would have been like a really great goal, but it actually comes off the inside of the post and Pobega like stabs home from close range. Um, So it took away from the quality of it a little bit, but credit to Spezia hanging in there with 10 men um, and and grabbing a winner against Napoli of all teams at at the Stadio Diego Maradona. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it was just one of those strange ones. And yeah, I think just Insigne, I think, was the biggest thing for me, just the finishing let yeah. them down. They probably should have won this one. But yeah, good for Spezia. We good were, to, to bring back home up to the north. So We were chalking so much of Napoli's success up to those kits, and now they have just been completely like ruined. And, and, and this result, they did wear the, the fourth... The fourth kit, uh, the the striped kit. It's which, so nice, though. It's so, oh my god! It really is. Like you should not be allowed to lose in that kit. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Yeah. yeah, no, it's a dishonor. It's a dishonor all around. Um, <laughs> the the team and this, I think, when we picked this out, Roma three three one win over Crotone. It's not anything that you would necessarily write home about in the past, but. Some stats came out this this week, um, and I I can't remember the exact source of the tweet, um, showing basically the quality of chances created and the volume of chances created for basically like every every big team in in the top five leagues, and yeah. you know the usual suspects were you know towards the top. You saw you know your Liverpool's, your Dortmunds, some of these like teams that you would expect have like these high quality chances. But up there amongst the the heavyweights of the Bayerns, the Juve's, like or you know um, all these teams was AS Roma, um, who yeah. create the highest the highest chance volume and quality like um in terms of the the combination of the two they were the best attacking team by these metrics um on the graph which i don't think many people would have picked out at the beginning of the season no not at all especially considering that the squad's not like elite by any stretch of the imagination i think paulo fonseca is just managing to get a, the most out of his players, you know, Henrik Mkhitaryan and, and the like. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he His teams are known for their fluidity. That's something that, that you could note at Shakhtar Donetsk where he had a lot of um, success as well. And he has this AS Roma team humming quietly. I, I mean, I don't think anyone realizes how well they're doing unless you pay attention to, to Italian football because AC Milan, Inter, Juve are really dominating the, the, the narratives right now. But yeah, good on AS Roma. They're, they're doing very well. Borja Mayoral scores a stunning goal in this game. Mm-hmm. Um, right foot, right foot strike. Um, one of those that like when it's taken, it looks like the keeper should have it covered almost because he doesn't have much of the goal to aim at. 
Yeah. Um, but it curls to such a degree that the keeper can't get anywhere near it, even though he like has that side of the goal covered. <laughs> yeah, yeah. For it's sure. Unbelievable. Yeah, Borja is such a weird player. He's spent almost the majority of his time being signed to Real Madrid out on loan. Um, you know, it was at Wolfsburg, then he went to Levante for two years, and now he's at Roma. So he's just kind of been all over the place, and he's scoring goals wherever he goes. I mean, he's not, you know, like a high-volume scorer by any means, but a good player, and we'll see if uh, we'll see if Roma makes it permanent. The, uh, the results, that result actually took, um, took Roma up to within three points of Inter Milan in second. Um, so they sit third and, um, just looking at the table, AC Milan still top by a single point over Inter Milan, neither team able to capitalize on the other's loss, but Roma in third, uh, just three points behind Inter Juve three points behind them in fourth and Sassuolo a single point behind Juve Napoli in sixth level on points with Atalanta um, and and then Lazio in eighth kind of rounding out those those uh, bigger teams Hellas Verona continuing continuing to shout out Hellas Verona for hanging (laughs) in the top half Um, and Benevento up to 10th yeah, Benevento, a yo-yo club of of recent seasons. I I chalk their success up this season to us shouting them out around Halloween for having one of the creepiest badges. Exactly. So yep. that's all us. Glistrigoni, <laughs> you're welcome. You are welcome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, the good news for those who have paid attention to the podcast, the good news for in Syria uh, is towards the bottom of the table, Torino have climbed out of the drop zone and are above Parma on 12 points, uh, just on, on goal difference, um, above, uh, above Parma, but Torino finally looking like they may salvage, uh, in 2021, what, what the season could have was, it, it was looking increasingly, like they were headed for for the drop but they they seem to have turned their luck around a little bit in recent in recent weeks i sure hope so because i i still love andrea belotti and yeah torino they have four they're you know undefeated in their last four so that's nice um i mean a lot of draws in there but yeah yeah, you know you'll i think you'll take it (laughs) so good for them yeah, it's uh it's been a, a pretty interesting and and poor start to the season for the most part. I do hope that they don't get relegated just simply for the fact that I, I feel like if they were to get relegated, then Juve would be able to buy Bolotti for like four bucks. Oh um, my god. And that would yeah. just be a shame. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um Parma, Genoa, and Crotone down at the bottom of the table. Genoa maybe in a little bit of trouble. Um, not not necessarily a team that you'd expect to see down there in nineteenth, um, historically speaking, anyways. Yeah, yeah. Um, but that that rounds out Serie A, and uh, we go now to France and PSG, where Mauricio Pochettino was making his debut as PSG manager. Um, today against San Etienne and a 1-1 draw 
um, for for the new boss for the Parisian club and against Claude Puel's San Etienne. So a reunion of two former Southampton managers. <laughs> yes, indeed. And I think Claude Puel will feel very lucky to have gotten this result because San Etienne have not been that good this season. And this is a pretty bad result for Poch uh, to start. Um, you know, they dominated the ball. They had a lot of pressure in the second half and probably should have won to be fair. But um, some of the finishing from, from Ken and, and Di Maria left something to be desired, but um, yeah, just, I, I don't know. I, I don't think that, you know, Poch officially got hired, I think on Saturday. So I don't think he's really had enough time to get his hooks <laughs> into this team. And uh, you know, there was a lot of speculation about how, how he'd line the team up. He comes out with a four, three, three after people had leaked pictures of the locker room and saw like a three, five, two on the tactics board. <laughs> yeah. So um, it's just been, you know, the, the media circus, I think that we all expect when it comes to Patrick Saint-Germain. So um, yeah, uh, really will be interesting to see how, how Polch does there in the capital. Uh, and with that, with that selection, um, obviously opting to, to play, Moise Kane, you know, through the middle, um, as he, as he had been successful, you know, up mm-hmm. until this point this year, maybe in a slightly different shape, um, than, than, than what, uh, Poch rolled out, but, uh, but relying on his, his premier league stalwarts of Ander Herrera and Idrissa Ganagay in, uh, in midfield mm-hmm. to do the grafting around, uh, Marco Verratti. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Which, I mean, sure, Verratti's the most creative, you would say, of the three, but he's not a 10. No. Um, so just, I don't know that that midfield works long term. And Gay makes a big mistake in this one. He tries to, like, turn on the edge of his own box and just doesn't. I, I don't really know, actually, what he was <laughs> trying to do, but it doesn't work out and it ends up in the back of his own net. Yeah. Yeah, uh- a, a problem for him and and I think maybe a little bit of a a midfield that you would say I mean Verratti obviously very very skillful but um but maybe a little too samey um in terms mm. of mm-hmm. uh Her- Herrera what Herrera and, and Gay and Verratti offer um at the moment yeah. a lot of a lot of effort maybe not maybe not the required kind of incisiveness um from a midfield like that especially in a game against San Etienne where you as PSG, you should maybe be a little more enterprising, like, and maybe it takes some risks (laughs) for sure. Yeah. Um, rounding, rounding up the, the, the league on table, um, the, the goal obviously for PSG will be to finish as champions. Um, but they're three points adrift at the moment behind Lyon. Um, and, uh, level on points with Lille. Um, so 36, uh, 36 points for both PSG and Lille. Uh, Stade Rene is in fourth still. So hanging in there and, and Olympic Marseille there in fifth, uh, Monaco just behind and level with Angers, um, on points, 30, 30 points for the, for the both of them. And then Kind of surprising. Launce up to eighth now, and and Montpellier uh, down to ninth. So a little bit of a a, a switch of things. And Saint Etienne up to fourteenth, 
with with that point um and uh <laughs> and down at the bottom um in the drop zone is now stratifying a little bit Dijon in that in that relegation playoff spot and then Lorient and Neem in the uh in the two relegation places um at the moment um yeah it's uh it's it's been a little bit tight obviously and and remains so especially towards the top of the table for uh for for Liga Un um i think the the title the t- there being a title race um as as Leon saw off Lance in actually what was a pretty good game a 3-2 and yeah. Leon needed to uh a penalty and an own goal to get out of this one with <laughs> with the win so um maybe yeah. a little bit of luck but you know what is it i get you know when when you're not at your best still getting the still getting the results it's the sign of champions so well, that's right <laughs> <laughs> so we'll see if uh we'll see if leon can hold on but it is like creating a an interesting league where gosh so often it just hasn't been but, yeah i mean people write off leon but it's actually pretty fire this season (laughs) yeah and maybe maybe more interest will will be paid to it because of pochettino so we'll see yeah yeah it might draw some some more some more eyes um i know a lot of you know i think it's pretty well known that his he's still very well liked among tottenham fans so maybe they'll tune into some psg games (laughs) um in the uh in the interim i guess um yeah Moving over quickly to La Liga, obviously not a lot of movement, especially midweek, um, but we did have, uh, well, a few results over the weekend that that were of interest, and primary amongst them um, was the Sevilla Derby, or El Gran Derby, as it's known, um, Real Betis versus Sevilla, and... Mika, you obviously watch this one with interest because you do, you know, follow uh, Real Betis. But the this the way this played out, a missed opportunity for Betis, really. Oh, big time! Yeah, I mean, it's no secret that Betis have been struggling this season. Um, this felt like a very big opportunity missed because they dominated the game for a lot of it. Um, you know, we've talked a lot on, on this podcast about how Sevilla really don't score a lot of goals. And again, they only score the one here. Yeah. Betis could have gone ahead with uh, a penalty that Fekir earns, you know. But for some reason, he takes it off Sergio Canales, who is the penalty taker, and had smashed one earlier and right. is very good <laughs> at it. And Fekir completely... Miss, you know, just not a good penalty at all. Um, he yeah. hasn't scored any goals this season. He's having a pretty crap season, all things considered. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, it's infuriating because Betsy's <laughs> definitely could have. This could have been a launch pad, I think, for their season, and and they just have to settle for the draw. Um, so yeah, frustrating. I think Sevilla probably are lucky <laughs> to have drawn. I truly. Yeah, I mean, at the end, when you just look at the the numbers, you know, sixteen shots for Betis to only six for Sevilla. Um, mm-hmm. It was uh, in, just in terms of the chance volume, it was it was certainly certainly in Betis's favor. And I think 
one of the things that was really promising for for Betis supporters was Diego Linas gets his first start in La Liga and looked absolutely electric from the first minute. Yeah, yeah, he's a very exciting player, one that perhaps hasn't gotten a lot of the chances that maybe he deserves. That's the other thing about this Betty side that, you know, would have it would have really been great for them to get a result because they were facing a lot of adversity. There are a lot of players out due to COVID. Right. Um, chief among them, Joaquin, who would have been playing in that position most likely. Mm-hmm. But, you know, Linus does get his opportunity, and, and yeah, he was very good. Um, probably should have you know, found himself on the score sheet, said it trying to set up Fakir, but yeah, um, just not Nabil's day. <laughs> yeah, he dragged the shot wide, and like as soon as he hit it with the left foot, he was in a good position to shoot, but he it kind of came off his ankle, like rather than his instep. Yeah, and, and it just it just goes wide, and uh, but Lina, you know, made by Linez's run to the byline, and then a good cutback, and he he you know creates the 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 chance for Fakir, but can't find the net on this particular occasion and it does end one one um but like you said it's just it it's got to be frustrating for for betty supporters just looking at at the possibility to to win that game against your big rivals um but also to as a a way to kind of launch your launch yourself back up the table a little bit um for sure the way that they've they've struggled unfortunately um not a ton of like other you know massive results um this weekend but there was a game replayed um actually today uh so barcelona um played at uh the san mames uh, against uh athletic club and uh it was a three to two win for for barca and really kind of like a vintage messy kind of performance um, in that he dragged Barca to the, to the three points. Yeah, he did. I think, was it two second half goals? Uh, for, for, I think one either side of the half. So one either side, but yeah, yeah, but yeah, athletic club scored first, I think through in in Yaki Williams. So yeah, yeah, I mean, Messi had to, as he does take the game <laughs> by the scruff of the neck and, and, and pull something out uh, for, for Barcelona. Um, on match day two, apparently. Um, yeah. <laughs> real quick, though, I want to just, you know, prayers up to Iago Aspas, who is out for a month. He got injured against that, uh, against Real Madrid in their 2 0 loss, mm. um, which ugh, just terrible. I mean, yeah. he's obviously the talisman for Celta Vigo, and this is their first lost since uh Chachokude started um yeah. so a little of that magic I think just got ripped out of the side so um I hate to see that <laughs> yeah it's really unfortunate and I think actually well Bryce Mendez does does uh still still play but it'll the the burden will fall to to Santi Mina I, I think to try to fill that yeah that gap but yeah mm-hmm. um yeah, that that's a tough a tough challenge for Kude because he's done such a good job since he's come in. Um, but obviously, a lot of that has been driven by Aspas linking up with Bryce Mendez. Um, yeah, and now, yeah, that partnership being broken up for a month is is going to be a challenge for for the new Celta boss. Absolutely. Um. 
Well, wrapping wrapping up uh, the La Liga standings, um, Atleti two points clear of Real Madrid now, um, but still with two games in hand. So um, still still all in Atleti's favor uh, in terms of the title race. But Barcelona now up to third, um, thirty one points. So a little bit of normalcy restored um with their recent form and indeed the dips of of real sociedad who are down down to fourth now having you know they're just a few weeks removed from being in second or well in first for quite a bit um and just haven't haven't really put together um a decent run they draw this weekend and yeah, just one win in five is is troubling form for La Real. Um, Villarreal um, below them in fifth, Sevilla in sixth, uh, and then Granada and Celta Vigo. But still, La Liga <laughs> remains just insanely compact, um, yeah. with the exception of those those couple of teams at the top. Um, and yeah, the the bottom the bottom half of the table is separated by eight points from 10th to 20th. So, uh, so everybody's in a relegation dogfight. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, uh, down there at the bottom, Valencia level on points with Elche, but out of the drop zone, uh, simply on goal difference. So troubling for, for Valencia at the moment who are winless in five and, um, and yeah, just, that Barca draw is looking more and more like a a, a problem rather than a. Uh, we thought it might be a launch point for for them to kind of kick on and because they did play well against Barca, but instead it's uh, they haven't really gained any momentum from that. Yeah, yeah, very true. Um, so Elche uh, in in 18th, Osasuna, and then Huesca still rooted to the bottom of the table, but. Still, definitely not in trouble like the you know the likes of Sheffield United or anything like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Or Schalke, <laughs> or Schalke, which is where we'll head next to the Bundesliga. Um, this you know, this phenomenon of Schalke, this this record that they are going for that. Um, so they have not won a game in th- in 30 consecutive matches now um dating back to last season and this is a record held by a team that was previously in the Bundesliga like back in the day um but is now in like the regional levels of the game um in Berlin like lower 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 leagues Tasmania Berlin um yep. and they hold that record for the for the most games in a row without a win at 31 and Schalke are just one match away and the weirdness of this story is that Tasmania supporters who do exist are actually supporting Schalke and showing up to Schalke's matches uh, when they played Hertha this past weekend, there were Tasmania fans outside the ground, like showing support for Schalke because Tasmania fans want to 
hold on to this record. <laughs> and sadly, they might not. Yeah. Because <laughs> Schalke might get beat by Hoffenheim this weekend. <laughs> they look hopeless. Christian Gross is the fourth coach of Schalke this season, and they don't look any... They There's no such thing as a new manager bouncing in Gilsey Kishin, apparently. No. But yeah, this is incredible from the from the Tasmania fans coming to the the uh, stadium. They even went on the road, like to you know the Olympia Stadium across town, and and yeah. laid out things saying you know save the record for Tas. Yeah. Like, <laughs> incredible stuff. You have to love German football for things like this. Oh yeah, the culture the culture there is just so great. But I mean, yeah, Schalke Schalke went out. They got absolutely paddled by Hertha. Um, Three nil. It was Ganduzi. Your Shout boy. Out. Your boy grabs a goal. I'm good luck for him. Every time I watch him, he scores, which is twice. But you know, he <laughs> he never scored for Arsenal, and he wasn't really a goal scorer in France either. So, right. adding something to his game, uh, certainly. <laughs> it's funny because I think Hertha has. I don't know if it's something about the club or what, but Marco Grujic, when he spent when he spent his his year on loan last season, he scored like a fair amount of goals from midfield uh, for, for yeah. Hertha. So maybe it's just something about about the system they've got out there. But um, yeah, Cordoba and Piontek, the other the other goal scorers, but Schalke just they're just offering nothing like. They're getting they're getting outplayed in every single game. They just and there's not. I really I really think so much of it, so much of it just seems tied to the there's a mentality like issue because when I look at their when I look at their teams, they're not that different from the teams that have been trotted out the past like three seasons. Yeah, it's. Strange. And, and the commentators, you know, they made a really interesting point in this game, which I did watch. And it was it was a good game, except for watching Schalke. Um, <laughs> they, one of the commentators said, you know, it looks like Schalke have not accepted that they're in a relegation fight. And that just made so much sense to me because they do play like a team that is better than that. They right. just don't. And they have players that are certainly better than the, the than where they are in the table. Yeah. And and well, until recently, the resources too. They're a huge club. Yeah. And I think that just that really clicked for me. It's like, yeah, they are playing like they're not in this battle <laughs> and they're not quite accepting it. And so I don't know what it's gonna take for them to realize that yeah. this shit's real and they are going down <laughs> if something doesn't change immediately if, al- if not it might actually be too late but yeah 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 there's almost like an arrogance about it yeah to yeah. where there's not that level of urgency um that you would expect right um, from from a team that is in the predicament that they are in um the so the game that we talked about earlier not even miri scores a one of the goals of the season in the ninth minute um, <laughs> that we spoke about, but Eintracht Frankfurt get a two one win over over Leverkusen, and this is actually a really really good result for Frankfurt, who's been like somewhat unconvincing this season, like since 
like just in the way that they've kind of had it sporadic, like good uh, results here and there, but nothing consistent. This is a pretty good way to start out 2021 for, for the Eagles. Yeah, certainly. Um, Leverkusen is a side that, you know, want to be in Europe again and um, want to establish themselves at the top as one of those big boys, you know, despite the the new money, I guess you could say. But I think you're absolutely right, too, about Frankfurt. They've just kind of been like meh. Like, yeah. Um, and and I always think a team is meh when they've got a zero goal difference. Yeah. I mean, 23 <laughs> scored, 23 allowed. I think that that <laughs> says it a lot, a lot there. Like you're just kind of like, okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so yeah, that's a, that's a big one for them. Um, they're drawing a lot too, which I think they have the most draws in the top flight with eight. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> I think if even just a handful of those are wins, they're probably in and around those European spots. So Dortmund, we we spoke about Jaden Sancho recently and kind of what was going on with him and maybe if there was some kind of issue. Mm-hmm. Um, Dortmund get a 2-0 win over Wolfsburg and Jaden Sancho gets a goal and an assist um, in yeah. this one. Um, has to be good for, for his confidence kicking off 2021 in style. Yeah, for sure. I think there were questions about you know, the, the season that he was having, I mean, you know, I think we talked about it a bit before too, that it's kind of hard to replicate the insane production he's had over the past couple seasons at Dortmund, but yeah, it's absolutely great for him to get a football podcast. And they were kind of talking about how, I guess, Sancho, his uh, professionalism or lack thereof lately is leaving something to be desired at Dortmund. And um, to me, it just seems like, he's gonna leave like pretty yeah. soon pretty sharpish um so i think it's Im- important for him to to get back in form so that um you know united i think united will probably come back in for him regardless but um it's important i think on on the Dortmund side so that they can get that insane fee um mm-hmm. because right now i would think you'd probably have to take a discount <laughs> yeah. given what he's been doing or not doing i guess sure yeah, I think uh, I think it is interesting, and it and it is kind of reminiscent of the drop in production that Pulisic had in his loan his season. He was loaned back, um, like he was purchased by Chelsea and then loaned back to Dortmund for a year. Um, they he didn't have the greatest of seasons, like in in between. Um, yeah, and I think any time that a player has a big move looming over them or or something like that, it it is difficult to maintain um, the level because it, there are so many distractions, or you're thinking about pretend, you know, you're you're um, maybe not focused as as you may have been um, on on the task at hand. So. Yeah, it's always interesting to watch that dynamic with players and see how they handle it. And it seems like Sancho hasn't handled it the best. Um, but maybe maybe 2021 is a little bit of a wake-up call for him, maybe. Yeah, yeah, it'll be interesting. I mean, I think at the end of the day, United are still going to have to pay stupid money. Um, and uh, given how like protracted this saga has been, I almost feel like we're being set up for like, a potential flop. I'm not saying he will be a flop. It's just that <laughs> I feel like when these transfer stories go on this long, it's mm-hmm. almost inevitable that what the player moving and what actually happens ends up being underwhelming. Think Coutinho to Barca or yeah. uh, 
who else? Alexis to Manchester United, like those kind of moves, like they just, I don't know. I feel like this has the potential to be like, oh, that's what we spent, you know, 150 million pounds on. Right. Um, and I and I hope United fans understand what kind of player he is, because I think you see if you don't watch the Bundesliga and you see the the numbers, you might think he's this like electric, like pacey winger. It's like really he's like a wide playmaker. Yeah. Um, he's not actually the fastest. Um, no. You know, he's he's creative and and kind of not not a rampaging winger, not a Usman Dembele. I would I would argue. No. So. Um, yeah, it'll it'll be interesting. Yeah, um, Bayern Bayern hit us with a with a catfish result <laughs> where they let Mines go up two nil and then just absolutely fried them. Yeah, for what was it five two at the end of the day? Five two. Yeah. <laughs> My God, um, I uh, I I don't know who it was in our in our mentions on hardcore football, but they were like, I have more faith in. Byron coming back from this and mine's holding on spot on. Yep. I mean, like it's just Byron have given up the first goal, I think in the past seven matches for them. So this is just kind of like their modus operandi at the moment is like, let you score <laughs> and feel, feel yourself a little bit, open up a little bit. And then they're just going to completely slaughter you. And that's what yeah. happened to poor minds here. Yeah. Five second half goals from Byron. Um, the 50th, the 55th, the 70th, the 76th and the 83rd, um, Lewandowski ends with a brace and, uh, Kimmich Sané and Nicolas Sula all on the score sheet. Um, kind of crazy given, given the severity of, of what we kind of thought about Kimmich's injury, he's back. He didn't miss that much, like for how they were talking about it initially. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And and I mean good because I think he's one of the best midfielders slash right backs in the world, truly. I mean, he's yeah. a general for that Bayern side and he's extremely important. So yeah. yeah, I think he's crucial if they want to win the title again. Which uh is looking <laughs> more possible, I guess, than it was at, at one point during the season. <laughs> um Bayern top again 33 points rb leipzig uh just behind on 31 leverkusen in, in third now um having passed up that opportunity to go further clear at the top they've now dropped to third dortmund in fourth and union berlin still hanging out in fifth um uh, volsberg just Shout behind out. um and Gladbach in seventh which this weekend bayern Taking on Borussia Mönchengladbach, uh, I think you yeah. said before we started recording, you're not ready. Uh, no, no, <laughs> no, I'm not. I, we're, we've been so inconsistent this season in the league, and I think making it to the knockout rounds, I feel like mentally, emotionally, that's taken a lot because I, I there's no, I don't understand otherwise what's going on in the league. It just, I just feel like we're stretched a little bit thin, so. Not ready for that one. <laughs> a, a one will definitely be watching out, or a matchup will definitely be watching out for this weekend. RB Leipzig uh, at home against Dortmund. Um, this is always inter- like RB Leipzig is a little interesting to me at the moment because they're second. They've only lost mm. one league game. And yet once Timo Werner left, like some of the attention just kind of like 
came off of that team. Do you think yeah. they're almost thriving under the rate, like with it being less of an intense scrutiny or maybe this like expectation that they'll have this star player? Yeah. Hmm. Like, that's interesting. I guess I never thought about it, but it does seem, I mean, you, you don't see uh, people that don't watch the Bundesliga necessarily like gushing over Marcel Sabitzer, even though he's like excellent or yeah. Paulson or um, any of those players. I, I think, yeah, I think you do have a point there, but I wonder if that attention is going to just come rushing right back now with Dominic Soboslai yeah. <laughs> having made his move. So yeah. I think people are very anxious to, to see more of him uh, at a higher level. So maybe that just comes right back and, and gives Leipzig maybe some attention they might not want. Yeah. This past weekend uh, against Stuttgart, RB Leipzig actually employed Emil Forsberg as a false nine. Um and had Haidara wow. and Tasende like either side of him in a front three. So yeah, pretty, pretty interesting. Nagelsmann is going full pep here um, and, <laughs> <laughs> and playing his 10 in the, in the false nine. They just have like a fetish for like midfielders where they shouldn't be, I guess. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Tyler Adams at right back. Like this is right. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, but yeah, that that'll be the probably the game of the weekend uh, between between Leipzig and Dortmund. And hopefully um, hopefully an entertaining one, as you'd expect goals um, from both of those teams. Um Although now that I'm looking at the goal scoring records, uh, Leipzig actually resembling the defensive team with 25 scored and nine allowed through 14. Um, Bayern, on the other hand, have scored 44. Oh my God. <laughs> In 14 games. So, yeah. I mean, they've allowed 21, which is why they're not completely running away with the league. Um, Because the defensive side of the game is not quite there. Um, But, yeah, 44 is... uh, Yeah. The next highest is 29. So, that's... (laughs) God damn. They got the firepower this year. (laughs) Well, uh, Mika, we've got our, our... sounds of the season playlists that we that we add to each week um and uh i wanted to you know close things out our spotify playlist that you guys can find on spotify you just search sounds of the season um or hardcore football and if you're looking for the podcast you'll find both um mika what songs do you have for the playlist this week all right so my first song is a song called Pick Up Before You Go by Dwellings. Um, this is just my fuck you goodbye to 2020. <laughs> Pick your shit up and leave. Um, not that 2021 is looking all that much better at the moment, but uh, <laughs> that's my my send off to last year. And then my second uh, song is just... Um, a song dedicated to all the catfish teams out here that are just, you know, at the moment it's Liverpool. Um, oh. it's, uh, it's, uh, don't believe by letter kills here. Uh, you know, from, from river plate in Argentina, all the way to, you know, AC Milan in Italy and Liverpool in England right now. So that's, <laughs> that's my, uh, my shade to those teams right now. It's funny. <laughs> I, uh, so I went a similar, a similar route, um 
with my first with my first edition um i went with a uh a song called kings of deceit um by <laughs> by, by a band called defiance um and yeah that's just a that same same lines where it's like all these leagues all these teams are just lying to us right now um, capping all day yeah <laughs> stop, stop the cap we have no idea like what's going on in any of them and no one can really decipher um how they're gonna turn out and still so much to play for um as we kick off 2021 and then um my second is uh, by a band called Heart to Heart. And this is a little more for those who have been like paying attention to my choices. Like I think mine normally skew a little bit more like metal and metal core and Mika's kind of skew more like post hardcore or like, or, <laughs> yes. pun- or punky. Um, yeah. so this is my, I'm kind of, I'm kind of throwing, throwing everybody off. Yeah. Flip the script for, so Heart to Heart is a little bit more on that punk side, um and uh so a song called in case you haven't noticed and that's just for all these little like all these things that we that we find out and we point out about you know teams throughout that or maybe it's kind of the opposite of the kings of deceit like those teams that are kind of under the radar a little bit and they're you know they're not capping they're they're just you know, they're so the Romas, the Union Berlins, yeah, those, those guys. Yeah, these Arcola. teams that we that we that we point point out just in you know, they're they're actually, you know, in case you haven't noticed, they're doing pretty well. So that's you know <laughs> <laughs> So anyways, that's um Love those it. are those are my my choices. And a couple of those are a little bit like faster paced songs and just like should should be fun, uh fun jams. So um so yeah, I mean that about, I don't know. That about wraps it up. I think. What are we, what are what are we looking forward to this this uh, this week? Whether whether football or otherwise. Yeah. Um. I mean, I, I think I can't look away from Gladbach Bayern, even though I feel like it'll end in pain for me personally. <laughs> um, <laughs> um. But yeah, no. There's a lot of good football coming up this weekend. Uh, Arsenal, I think, are taking on Newcastle. Uh, in the FA Cup third round, so that'll mm-hmm. be interesting. Um, starting our our cup defense. Oh um, right, right. <laughs> yes, and uh, yeah, I think those are the two for me. Anything for you coming up that's going to be fascinating? Yeah, I mean, aside from that that Leipzig Dortmund game, I'm definitely tuning in for that one. Um, the the few fixtures that kind of catch my eye. I mean, Sunday morning, it's an early kickoff. Uh, this would be a real early kickoff for you guys out in mountain time. Cause it's a six 30 AM Eastern. Um, oh my God. but Roma inter, um, yeah, sure as shit. It's at four 30 in yeah. the morning. What the hell <laughs> on a Sunday. And then, uh, now for the, for the later, you know, that's for the early birds, but Juve Sassuolo. So like a, a nice like beginning and end to a Serie A uh, uh, match day on on Sunday. That would um, be nice, yeah. Yeah. So couple of couple of nice matchups, and then uh, Leon uh, Stadrene on on Saturday afternoon um, is a is a is a tasty little matchup as well to see if Leon can keep their keep their spot at the top um, mm-hmm. and and. Uh, 
yeah, so a couple of interesting interesting matchups, and that's in addition, obviously, to you know any further pain that Liverpool is trying to subject me to. Um, <laughs> but I think, if I'm not mistaken, they actually, yeah, Liverpool play Aston Villa on Friday in the FA Cup, which um, anyone listening to this, I'm not going to go into the story now, but... Liverpool and Aston Villa in uh, the FA Cup. Actually, I have a very specific history uh, with this fixture. So um, Ah. if someone asks me about it, like if you're listening to this and you at either me or Hardcore Football and ask about it, I will tell this story. Um, But it's not it's not anything crazy. It's just a very weird El Paso related um, and Aston Villa FA Cup liverpool related story so anyways um, yeah so i guess that about does it hopefully you guys enjoyed this episode you can subscribe um to the podcast on all all the major platforms as we said um and if your you know platform of choice allows you to to rate a review just please uh consider leaving us a review and a and a five-star rating um i mean as long as we deserve it i guess um and we do (laughs) which we do in my humble opinion um so anyways yeah hopefully you guys have enjoyed and uh hopefully your 2021 is starting off okay and we'll see you after a, a good weekend yeah happy new year everyone